Let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, many of you know that I'm coming up on the end of 25 years uh, serving here as the lead pastor. I'm going to retire at the end of the summer. And for all those years, I've had the same office in the, uh, in the suite of offices in the back behind, behind the old chapel. I've spent a lot of time in that office, and it occurs to me, though, that some of you may never actually have seen where I hole up most days of the week. So after the service, if you want, you're welcome to go back there and poke your head and uh, take, take a look around. What you'll see is that uh, over time, those 24 and a half years so far, I've acquired a lot of stuff. I, as you might expect of a pastor, I have a lot of books in my office. I think when I got here, I had about a shelf and a half, and now I have eight or nine shelves that are stacked pretty full. I have a ton of files from all the committee meetings I've sat in, all the projects we've worked on, all the commissions I've been part of. Um, as you might expect for a pastor, uh, I also have a collection of crosses in my office, crosses that I've acquired from a lot of places over the years. What might be a little more surprising is that um, I also have a Spider-Man mask in my office. <laughs> this, uh, this is not from a Halloween costume. Um, I stopped dressing up for Halloween in about 1970. This is actually for a sermon, a prop for a sermon that I preached once uh, on this text today, the Transfiguration. Because I'm pretty sure that all of us want to hope, we want to imagine, we want a dream that there's more to life than what we see every day. I mean, really, that's the basis of the entire Marvel Universe, isn't it? We want to believe, even for a moment, that there are superheroes with superpowers who can make the world right, and make it right now. And I mean, there's so much that's so wrong in the world around us, sometimes so much so wrong within us, and it's very easy to get very frustrated by our limited capacity to make it right. So we want to dream that there is more than meets the eye. We want to dream that someone like Peter Parker, shy, nerdy, awkward teen, has the powers of Spider-Man, web shooters, and a spidey sense and even sews his own costume, which is its own kind of superpower. Uh, those of us of an older generation want to believe that Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter <laughs> of the Daily Planet, <laughs> Superman, that's right. Faster than a speeding bullet, lead buildings in a single bound, defender of truth in the American way. I, I got this as a prop for that sermon too. Whenever I word, I try to convince people that the S stands for Stafford and nobody's buying any of that. So, yeah. We want to imagine that there's more than meets the eye, that there are superheroes with superpowers, and we want to believe that even when the lights go up and life goes on. And um, I'm pretty sure um, that back in the time of Jesus, people were hoping for the same thing. In Galilee, where Jesus um, lived most of his life, uh, there was so much that was so wrong. Most of them were subsistence farmers, barely getting by. 
Some of them were fishermen trying to eke out a living on the Sea of Galilee. All of them lived under the oppressive rule of Roman occupiers. Uh, they had memories of past glories. They remembered the kings of the kingdoms of the past, King David, King Solomon. And they had dreams, dreams of a liberated, prosperous future of their own. The prophets put it that everyone would live under their own vine and fig tree and no one would make them afraid. And to make it so, they had hopes for someone they called the Messiah, the anointed one, a superhero. Now, by the time we get to this point in Mark's gospel, by the time we get to this point in the story that Mark is telling, people around Jesus have started to notice that there is something different about him. There is something more to this son of a builder, this son of Joseph. They had heard the stories that he told. They watched, they could see the way that he could hold a crowd. They watched him heal people. They still hadn't really figured out how it is that he could feed thousands one afternoon with just a few fishes and loaves from one little boy's lunch. And for all that was wrong around them, he talked about a future that was right. He called it the kingdom of God, the beloved community. And now, in this scene we've just heard, Jesus takes Peter and James and John up on a mountain, and he is transfigured before them. And I'm pretty sure all three of them are, are saying to themselves, this is it. They could tell there was something more, and now they're seeing it for themselves. And Jesus... I mean, he has a superhero costume, right? Clothes dazzlingly bright. He's got his own version of a League of Nations. I mean, a League, excuse me, a Justice League. League of Nations. Wow, that was Woodrow Wilson. That's history class. He's got his own version of the Justice League, right? He's got Moses, great leader of the Exodus. He's got Elijah, great prophet in the tradition. And the disciples are amazed and they are afraid. And then it gets a little awkward. Peter wants to build a monument because Peter wants to make this moment last. This is what they've been hoping for, and now it all seems like it could be possible. They can take on the elite in Jerusalem. They can take on the powers of the Roman Empire. But it doesn't last. The cloud dissipates. Moses and Elijah disappear. The light dissolves, and they are left alone with Jesus. who leads them back down the mountain, and life goes on. And if you've ever read ahead in the story, you know what happens. Jesus goes to Jerusalem, and he meets his fate on the cross. But what those three saw on the mountain was and is true. There is more going on than meets the eye. This scene comes right in the middle of Mark's gospel. And for everything to come as the story goes on, the transfiguration is meant to assure them and to assure us still that it is true, that there are forces at work that are stronger even than the power of empires, that the visions of the prophets and the long-held dreams of the people will come true. That Jesus is more than just a wise teacher or a miraculous healer, that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one the one sent from God. Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to, live, to become part of the kingdom of God, the beloved community, the way of life together that God intends for all creation. Jesus is a superhero, 
but he is not the kind of superhero who uses the power of force or might or weapons to make things right. He's not a superhero who breaks the rules or goes rogue or practices the dark arts to defend truth and justice and freedom because that's not the kind of superpower that can ever make the world right or whole or holy. On the mountaintop, the voice from the cloud tells Peter and James and John, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. When Jesus gets down off the mountain, what he tells them is to forgive. Not seven times, but 77 times. He tells them to sell their possessions and give their money to the poor. He tells them that to become great, you have to be a servant of all. He tells them that the only thing that matters is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't know who your neighbor is, well, it's pretty much anyone who's hungry or stranger or sick or in prison. And to the extent that we feed and welcome and help and visit even one of the least of these, Jesus says it's as if we've done it unto him. The superpower of Jesus is, is the unflinching, relentless commitment to love, to love always. And it is super, and it is powerful. But because it's love, it is also vulnerable and risky. And because it is the indiscriminate, insistent love of God for all people, for all things, it is also unsettling and dangerous. As we read on the story we'll hear during Holy Week, Jesus so unsettles the status quo, so threatens the powers that be that they have him arrested and crucified. But even as he's dying, Jesus refused to do anything other than to love the ones who were killing him. Jesus dies on the cross. But it's true. There's more going on than meets the eye. There are forces that are more powerful even than death. The love of God raises Christ to new life. The superpower of Jesus is love. Because love is the only thing that can make us, that can make the world, that can make the future right and just and whole and holy. Love is what has the power to root out our fears. Love is the only thing that can make sense of the logic of forgiveness. Love stops the cycle of eye for eye, like for like, don't get mad, get even. Love breaks down barriers, doesn't build walls. Love welcomes strangers doesn't reject refugees. Love is what makes possible the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the beloved community. Love is what makes possible a world, a future of shalom, salam, peace. That's the superpower of Jesus. And that's the only way that what we hope for can come true. So for me, there are two uh, lessons in this story. The first is, pay attention. Because there are still moments, if we are attentive, when we can get glimpses of the wonder, of the grandeur, of the glory that Peter and James and John saw on that mountaintop. There are moments when beauty is so transcendent, when joy is so deeply felt, when love is so profound, I can believe that God's will of mercy and justice will be done on earth as in heaven. So look for beauty. 
Listen for beauty. Create beauty. Be alert for moments of joy, for those sometimes fleeting moments when, when things are the way they're meant to be. And let yourself trust that the love of God surrounds us, suffuses us, that the love of God holds us. Beauty and joy and love. When so much is so wrong, those are the sources of hope that can sustain us. So pay attention. And second, listen to Jesus. There are a lot, there's a lot of noise in our lives. A lot of voices, a lot of inputs, a lot of media, a lot of demands. Noise that can, can distract us. We can lose sight of what matters most. Noise that often enough plays on our fears. And we can become distrustful and distant, sometimes disdaining. And noise that can tempt us to rely on the power of force and might and weapons to make things right. And instead, Jesus asks us to trust every day, the ordinary moments of our lives in the power of God's love. We don't have to be superheroes. Only daily, practically, persistently love one another as God has loved us all, which is not new and not complicated. But every day it is worth asking, who are we listening to? Who are we trusting? And what are they asking us to believe? The voice that spoke to Peter and James and John is the voice that speaks to us still. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. May it be so. Amen.